Welcome to this week's edition of the Pete Mazzetti Show. I'm your host, Pete Mazzetti. My guests this evening are John and Adriana from the American Red Cross. Guys, welcome. How are we? Good. Doing well. Thank you Good. for having us. Thanks Appreciate for coming it. down. Thanks for coming down. Welcome, Adriana. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're us. welcome. <laughs> you guys are welcome. So, guys, before we get into the topics and the wonderful things we're going to talk about tonight, tell us a little bit about yourself and how long you've been with the Red Cross. Well, I've been a volunteer of the Red Cross for about 20 months, okay. and uh, the work that I do with the Red Cross typically takes two areas, uh, public affairs, which is what we're doing tonight, which is communicating the message of the Red Cross. That's one of the roles I play. Okay. And the second role I play is in external relations. So what we do is we work with government officials to message to government officials, coordinate with government officials on any humanitarian efforts or blood donor efforts that we're doing within the double state area of Connecticut, Rhode Island. Okay. And Andrea, how about yourself? Yes, I started with the Red Cross in January last year, and I'm in the communications department for Connecticut and Rhode Island, and we just share the, cross, the, the Red Cross mission and we just with the voice of the Red Cross. So and Now, what is the mission of the Red Cross? Uh, to alleviate uh, human suffering. Okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. We, we like to say we're a humanitarian organization. Okay. So if a disaster happens, we're there for you. Mm -hmm. If there are blood needs, we're there for you as well. Okay. Now, where do we want to start? We want to talk about blood or we want to talk about natural disasters? I think we'll talk about blood donations if sure. we can. Okay. Uh, right now, there's a, there's a strong need for blood donations within the Connecticut area. Yeah. We've had since August or kind of midsummer, we've had an actual 10% decrease in blood donors coming to our blood drives to give blood. Okay. And we see a correlation between the spike in COVID-19 cases that affected people coming in. So usually we keep a five-day uh, supply of every blood type, so O, A, A, B. We actually, for our critical blood types of blood type O, we're at a ha sometimes a half-day supply. So that's, that's pretty low. So we're encouraging people, if they have time right now, to go out, commit to donating blood, particularly if you've done it in the past, and if you're a new donor, uh, we'd love to have you join the family and, and donate on a regular basis. Typically, um, with the last six months, we've seen a 30% decrease in new blood donors. Okay. So that's, that's a challenge for us. And I think a lot of it has to do with issues associated with the pandemic. People are going back to work in person, kids are going back to school, and unfortunately, people are busy. So donating blood isn't the first priority. No. And Adriana? Well, I think it would be the best gift to give this holiday season, right. the gift of life, um, easy, quick, and you'll feel great about it. You can help save up to three lives if you donate. Now, how did the, since the start of the pandemic, as far as blood donations, how did it, from then to now, how are we looking? Um, I mean, the good part is we have, as, a, as an organization, we have mm -hmm. a really good, stable labor force that's there to process raw materials, which is blood. What we saw is people continue to give blood. We had to shut down blood drives, obviously, when the pandemic really was hitting about a year ago. What we saw is when hospitals started opening up to elective procedures earlier this year, what ended up happening is with elective procedures and people who had deferred procedures for sometimes six, nine months to a year, 
what we saw was a, a very large demand for blood at the beginning of the of the um, of probably late spring, early summer. On the flip side, when you started having the Delta variant come in on the COVID-19 side, yeah. we started seeing supply issues, meaning we didn't have enough donors coming in. Because people have to understand, blood comes from humans. It's not manufactured by the Red Cross. Unless exactly. people are there to, to donate, you don't have enough to supply the hospitals. Right. Yeah, and the blood has a shelf life of 42 days, so we always have to supply blood. Uh, so it is important to always know that it's always needed. Yeah, the, the biggest phrase I like to, the, a fact that people don't know, is every two seconds in America, someone needs blood. Okay. Only 3% of the population actively gives blood. And that, if we could get some, if we get 4% of the population, probably take care of our needs. Absolutely. But the reality is, I think a lot of people have a fear of giving blood at this time because of what's going on with the virus. I th what I tell people is we follow very strict protocols of, of cleaning, antiseptic cleaning, obviously no needles are reused with each, with each uh, blood donation. Blood donating, unless it's a, a platelet donation, takes about an hour, start to finish. Everybody who enters one of our blood drives, whether vaccinated or unvaccinated, needs a mask including our staff, we encourage people, hey, come give some blood. You always get good treats when you're done. Absolutely, yeah. You know, that's, that's what we're known for, yeah. is the cookies, the juice. <laughs> um, I just encourage, it's the gift of life. I, I tell the story, uh, my dad's had a few health setbacks in the last year, and he's needed blood transfusions. And what I tell people is if you've ever had anyone go um, and had surgery, if something happened in that surgery, you'd want to have that blood there. And if my father got sick again, I'd want to make sure that that blood was there for him. So we ask people, if you can, if you're healthy, please give blood. A couple things to think about. You can now give blood uh, down to the age of 16. Wow. All right? So that was something that changed recently. Some questions have been asked. Can you give blood if you had the COVID-19 vaccine? Yes, you can. Uh, if you've had Moderna, if you've had Pfizer, if you've had Johnson Johnson, if you've had AstraZeneca, if you're an overseas yeah. um, individual, and I think the other one is Navavik, which is a, I think an Indian uh, COVID-19 vaccine. If you can name one of those five, there's no deferral in you being able to give blood after getting a shot. If you don't know the blood vaccine, the, the COVID-19 vaccine that you uh, were given, we ask only a two-week deferral from the time you get the shot to the time you give blood. Okay. And as far as blood donation goes, you mentioned something that blood donation takes a little bit longer than platelet donation? Yeah, so typical blood donation takes about an hour. Okay. We have what is called a platelet donation. What platelets are is it's, it's the actual clotting material in the blood. Sure. So what happens is we take your blood, flush out the platelets, put that aside, blood goes, the rest of the blood goes back into your, obviously into your body. That takes a little longer. Yeah. Um, it, the process is pretty, there are people who will give every 56 days. Okay. Because you can give blood every 56 days in a regular traditional uh, blood donation. We have people who give their blood and have their next one scheduled 56 days later. Yeah, there we have the constant donors. They're oh, always yeah. there every time <laughs> there, they there, can. There are people who've said, this is my 145th mm -hmm. time of giving blood. Wow. 
uh, which is which is great. It's great to hear that. We just uh, need the ones that are on the fence and the ones that don't even know they can donate because absolutely. mostly that's what happens. One one thing I will stress for mm -hmm. individuals who know what their blood type is. Right. So there's an exceptional need now for O negative and O positive. So O negative is the universal blood type. If God forbid you go to the ER, you get whatever happens to you and you need blood. If they don't know what your blood type is, they will give you O negative. O positive, if you are, have the RH protein in your blood, regardless of whether you're A, AB, B, whatever, you can take O positive. So anyone who has O in general, O negative or O positive, has a lot of um, flexibility in giving it to a broader population. So that's something I want people to think about. Uh, and you know, the reality is we're all used to giving, we're all used to giving money at Christmas time right. to what Andreina said, give the gift of life, donate some blood. Now why is it, why is there a waiting period of 56 days between blood donations? Well I think, I, I don't know the right. medical, biological right, right, side, right. but I think it, the body has to replenish gotcha. the blood volume. It's got to replace it. Correct. Okay, and that's... I didn't know that there was a waiting period. There is a waiting period. 50, 56 days. 56 days. Now, are you guys doing blood drives again in person because of what's going on? We do do blood drives almost every day. Okay. Uh, you'll see it. We have, people don't realize, we have um, folks in our, we, we, what's called our Biomed group, which is, does all the blood donations. They have account reps that work with local Governmental agencies set up blood drives. You'll see a lot of blood drives in VFW halls, maybe a lot American Legion halls, in schools, mm -hmm. um, churches, in churches. Mm -hmm. We try to get every sort of population that we can throughout the state. We we cover the entire state footprint. And yeah, we'll there's around like 17 um, blood drives a day in Connecticut, so oh, wow. it's plenty to choose from. Yeah, and you and, and for people who want to give blood, they can look on our website. Um, redcross.org CT for a blood drive in Connecticut. They can call 1-800-RED-CROSS. And what a lot of people are doing today is getting the mobile app, yeah. the Red Cross donor mobile app. And on the Red Cross donor mobile app, you can go in, you can register, you can even pre, uh, there's a pre-questionnaire. That'll, if you sign that, go in there, mm -hmm. do the pre-questionnaire before, before you go in and give blood, that saves probably 10 minutes in the entire one hour process to give a regular blood donation. Yeah, because you got to go, probably go in, fill out the paperwork. You, you want to make sure you're not sick. You don't right. want to have COVID-19 and give blood. So th those are some of the pre-questioning questions that will be asked. Exactly. But and you'll know where your blood goes. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you'll get the email and say your blood was used at so-and-so hospital. And oh, really? Yes. Mm -hmm. Really? It's Absolutely. Great cool. feeling. <laughs> there are a lot of people who are blood donors who say, you know, I, I found out it went to a, a, a someone who needed it in Bridgeport Hospital. It, it's. It's that extra good right. feeling, right? Your right. heart, you really appreciate giving, and that's why people do it over. We have people who've done it 150 times. Wow. Now, as far as blood donation from the start of the pandemic, mm -hmm. think obviously things are pretty much stayed the same as far as when you guys, because you guys obviously had to shut down when yeah, the I pandemic mean, first started. There were some restrictions when the p pandemic first started. I will tell you, we are, our donations on a regular year-over-year -year basis is yeah. still pretty stable. Really? The issue is 
the, the, the demand for those blood products has actually gone up. I think what's happened in the last few weeks is we've seen a distinct drop in new blood donors. And the blood donors that we typically find that happen in the fall aren't coming back as fast as we typically see them because summer tends to be our low volume uh, part of the year okay. for blood donations. People go on vacation. Right. And vacation takes priority. Absolutely. Especially this last summer, people were scheduling vacations like crazy because they couldn't last year. So that was a big, that mm -hmm. was, that's one of the reasons it caused the big, the big drop. Absolutely. Would you guys mind sticking around for another segment? Of course. Yeah. All right. We'll be right back. I've spent my whole life as a physician. I've seen how vaccines have saved people's lives, saved children's lives, saved the lives of the elderly. We now have that opportunity with COVID. We have a vaccine that's safe. We know this vaccine also, through the most rigorous scientific studies and trials, is effective. We have the opportunity to make a difference. But we can only make that difference if everyone gets vaccinated. Participate. Where does greatness start? Here, in the classroom. On the stage. In the pool. On the field. Where will your greatness take you? To better grades. To more friends. Yeah! Be great. Participate. Welcome back to this week's edition of the Pete Mazzetti Show. I'm Pete Mazzetti sitting here with John and Adriana from the American Red Cross. Guys, welcome back. How are we? We're doing well. Great. Excellent. Thank Thanks for sticking Thank around. You. Thanks for sticking around. We look forward to the segment. Absolutely. Let, all right. So let's talk. Let's open this segment talking about some of the work you guys do mm -hmm. during natural disasters. Want yes. to start? <laughs> uh, well, I can talk about that. I was uh, sent to New Jersey in okay. September. Um, the word is deployed. Okay. And um, I was um, sent there to uh, help with communications and public affairs to tell the story of what was happening in New Jersey. And I went at a period in which it was the recovery period. The worst had happened, the flooding, the emergencies had happened, but when I got there, it was mostly people were assessing the damage and trying to get help from all the organizations, Red Cross, FEMA, et cetera. So I also realized that uh, there was a lot of people in New Jersey, there's a lot of people, Spanish-speaking people in New Jersey, mm -hmm. and the Red Cross had a, has a small amount of Spanish-speaking volunteers that were available. So I ended up being, uh, I ended up doing um, translations and I was being an interpreter for the people who were requesting our help and support. So I was going from one person to another and what I found most interesting and it was almost a surprise to me. I, I thought I was just gonna go to do my job as a communicator and grab some stories and tell the story but what I realized in talking to these people is that um, all they needed was someone to listen and a lot of these people didn't speak English. So when, when I showed my face and I, was, and I told them I speak Spanish, their faces were just 
light up and they feel so comfortable talking to me about what they went through, about what they were needing, and basically just, I felt like I was more like a emotional support to them than anything else. So that was an incredible experience for me because it was a surprise. I found myself not just telling the story of how we help these people, but how important it is just to be there and listen to these people. I, I spent an hour with, some, um, with a family that lost everything, and they had their daughters in different parts of, in, of the state, and they were trying to make it to school every day, and they lost their cars, they, lo their, they lost their homes. Wow. They lost everything, and all I did was sit with them for an hour and listen to them. And they got emotional with me, and they were really appreciative of me just listening to them. They weren't even looking for me to specifically help them with anything. They were just very grateful that um, someone was there to listen to them. Uh, my story, I'll, I'll start with one that hit really locally, and that was the tornadoes that hit um, North Haven and Hamden into Brantford, and yeah. that was last year, I think August or September. Yes. And I went out and did what was called disaster action team assessments with actually the chief operating officer of our Red Cross region here who lives in, in North Haven. And the irony of this tornado's path is it, and I, I'm talking about hitting close to home, it was a mile from my in-law's house and a mile from my sister-in-law and brother-in-law's house. So it went right through oh, wow. these, these two. And you, you could see the trail of the damage. Yeah. And we're in a Red Cross van, uh, Ford Explorer, doing disaster team assessments. And what, what that means is you check off the damages on any mm -hmm. particular house, where the most damage is, where the trees are down. And what it does is you then relay that in to someone at the Red Cross who will plot it on a map and work with our Connecticut VOAD partners. So Connecticut VOAD is volunteer organizations active in disasters. And what you do with that information is you coordinate with uh, local DEMIS, which is the, the state emergency management system, FEMA, and all of these VOAD partners who help clean up trees on someone's houses, bring food to folks who lost electricity, and that's, that's, that's really heartwarming because when you drive up in a big Red Cross van and you're looking at someone who just lost their car or lost the roof in their house, they come out, you give them a bottle of water and just say, what happened? And to Andreina's point, you listen to stories of what happened on that day. That was the tornado in, in North Haven and, and, and Brantford and, and Hamden. Hurricane Henri was a different story. I don't think people realize that obviously we all live through Henri, and Henri went all over the place from Newport, Rhode Island to it was gonna hit Greenwich and it kept going further and further east. Then it went further and further west and then back to east. What people don't realize before that trip, before that, that, the trip of that storm, is there were 100 Red Cross volunteers that all lived in the storm's path. And, and Andrea and I will attest to this, we were on the same calls, that were planning for landfall, mm -hmm. yeah. ready to open up shelters, with each shelter assigned at least two people. And the, you know, it talked about the external relations piece of this. So in Henri, I'm texting back and forth with our first selectman in Stonington where my wife and I live. And I knew that morning if we lost power at our house, I could deploy to the emergency operations center in Stonington 
and do our Red Cross work because we knew we'd be working across state lines. One thing that I will say is one thing our, our regional disaster officer says, plan for the worst, hope for the best. Henri yeah. turned into a puff of smell, a, 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 you know, a kind yeah. of an ear puff. It went, it finally landed in westerly, really didn't do a ton of damage. There was a lot of rain, some wind. We didn't lose a lot of power, thank God. Yeah. Ida was a big surprise for us up here in the Northeast, more so. But I think what, what that shows is how much work the, that in Henri, how much work the Red Cross did to prepare for that specific storm. And there were 100 volunteers all in the storm's path ready to deploy if needed. Wow. Yeah, with Henri, I remember I was a virtual, I was helping virtually, but I remember trying to get my house ready as well. So I was trying to like do my work as a virtual disaster <laughs> um, aid. And I was also trying to figure out like, do I have to go to the store? Do I have to protect my house? So it was challenging in that, in that respect. And I, I remember doing, because I do a lot of the, the media work, I, do, I did interviews for Providence News, and I did interviews for New Haven News, one after another, because people were concerned. You have a, you know, you have a, a Category 1 hurricane coming up, and we haven't had a hit since, I think, Hurricane Bob or Gloria. It's been a while. So we were all kind of concerned. We were fortunate. But yeah. one thing I will say is, you know we're there to help. Which brings us to another topic I wanted to bring up, sure. and that is home fires. Okay. Okay? We talk about disasters, but people don't realize that in the state of Connecticut that the Red Cross actually responds to two, on average, two fires a day. And that takes volunteers. And the interesting piece is that in the last few weeks, we've actually, since September, we've actually had a 50% increase in fire responses in the Red Cross since people started going back to school. It's amazing. Wow. It, it's We've never seen this before, so we have a need for volunteers. Yes, we, we need volunteers. We need people to help provide comfort and support to people who are experiencing a home fire and are probably going through the worst day of their lives. What I like to say is a hurricane's a tragedy, a tornado's a tragedy, but when someone loses their home, that's the ultimate tragedy, right? So I think we're, we're looking for volunteers who are willing in the middle of the night to be on call, to get that call, where if someone's lost their home, where are they gonna sleep? Do they have a blanket? Where are they gonna get some incidental food supplies? Are they gonna get you know, toothpaste, toothbrush? Where are they gonna live for two, three days? We're there to help. Yeah, we can also provide emotional support until, you know, no, no way to the recovery. So we'll be there. Now, what types of volu the volunteers you guys are looking for? What types of what types of things can the volunteers do? Well, we're actually holding two boot camps to explain exactly what that is. So, okay. what I mean by boot camp, it's a nine training. to five training. So it's Got eight it. hours on uh, December fourth and fifth. All right. The first one is going to be at the New Haven Fire Academy on El Grasso Boulevard in New Haven. Okay. And the second one on the fifth is going to be at um, our Montville office in Uncasville, right on Route 32. You can find it on our website. We're looking for folks who want to commit to four, I think it's four times a year, four times a month, to be on call to respond to. Yeah, you specify when you can be called, and that's the day if there's a fire, you'll be called. But we're looking for passionate humanitarians who want to provide support for people and 
are willing to help their community and when they need it. What I like to stress, Red Cross is a big organization, but it's run by volunteers, meaning 90% 90 90 <laughs> are volunteers. Oh, wow. Yeah, people don't realize that. I mean, we are an army. I didn't realize that. Yeah, 90% of, I'm a, uh, Andreina, actually she's on staff, but we work together. It doesn't matter, I'm a volunteer, you're Sometimes paid Sometimes you can't even tell the difference between exactly. a volunteer you and a paid You staff. have no idea. <laughs> I mean, I have certain skills I like to use as a volunteer. They don't mind using the skills I have, and yeah. it's, this is fun. Absolutely. I like, I like, it's easy to talk about our story because of all the good things we do. Yes. We've got about 90 seconds left, so what else do what else we want to cover in the little bit of time we have left? If you want to sign up for our boot camp, sure. you can sign up on, I think it's redcross.org mm. backslash CT. Oh, or redcross.org slash uh, volunteer. Okay. Volunteer. Uh, for the boot camps, we can send the information. Yeah, you have to register for the boot camp. We need to know that you're going to be there. And we're looking for new volunteers for that. Uh, and I would say if you have a passion to give the gift of life, consider a blood donation. We really could use that. And and it sounds to me like blood donation is probably it's quick and it's easy. The easiest thing. One hour. That's all we need. And you get good treats. That's all you get is one hour. You get juices, you get cookies, and you get a smile. And if, and if people want more information on where their local blood drive is, they can go to the Red Cross website? It's on the Red Cross donor app on your phone. It I can be redcross.org, and it can be 1-800-RED-CROSS. Whatever form of mode of communication you're comfortable with, those are the three. The easiest thing is the app. I, I exactly. swear by the app. <laughs> okay. But not, right. not everyone has a cell phone. Not everyone has a smartphone. Exactly. Well, John and Adriana, we're from the American Red Cross. We're about to run out of time. But before we do, I want to thank you guys for coming down. Hopefully, we'll see you again soon. Thank you for having us. Thanks, guys. We appreciate you having us. You got it. On behalf of John and Adriana, my name is Pete Mazzetti. Thanks. Good night. We'll see you next time.